Gross, the LA probate expert. And today's our Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, probate weekly. You can find it at probateweekly.com or on YouTube. We stream it live. And we get together every week to talk about all things probate real estate. We have investors, wholesalers, real estate agents, estates, attorneys, vendors get together, share problems, best, best practices, and how to build your business to increase your income and to build long-term wealth. We want to focus on those two things as our goals. Uh, oftentimes they have a guest and I really booked out, I think for the last few months and I've booked forward, but I really wanted to talk about this topic, which is really important to me as a longtime practitioner, both in terms of one of my keys to success and where I see agents get tripped up, which is using this or anything in business in real estate, using it to build your business. And it's a very important distinction. I'd like to share with you what I mean by that. So let me share some slides here. Uh, no, I don't want to share. I want to share my screen. And we are there. Great. Let me present this. Okay. Can you guys see the, see the screen? Good. So how to build a probate-based business. And one of the things I'm going to make is, I think there are companies, well, you know, the companies are around will sell you what they have to sell you. You know, if you go through life as a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You've heard that said. If you're in the business of selling data, then everybody you talk to looks like a prospect to sell data to. If you're a real estate coaching company, everybody looks like a prospect for your real estate coaching company. I'm not selling data. I'm not selling coaching. I'm not selling anything. I'd love to work with you. If you have a property to sell, I'd love to list it. If you need help, you're an agent. I'd love to co-list it. If you need some help, you may need to list with me. I'm glad to help explain what you can do, give you some strategies. I'm glad to work with you. Uh, glad to get your help when I need things, work together on deals. A lot of my business is based on the relationship I have with other agents. So I have nothing here to sell you at all. Maybe someday I will, nothing today. But so I want to talk about how you need to look at this as building your business. Now get very clear on where you are in your process, and we'll get to that in a second. And today we're going to talk about how we can help you achieve those goals. First thing I want to say, and, and one reason I say this is this time of the year, a lot of companies have business planning programs. They either schedule them in December because it's a slow time, or they schedule them in January, encouraging you to run through the finish line. But what I would tell you is that business planning is not an activity. It's a process. It's something you have to always do some amount of maintaining your plan. You have to write a plan, and then you have to update your plan, and that's a continual process. So I'll just share with you, I write my, wrote my plan out when I, when I relaunched my business three years ago. Um, I've been in business since 1986. Three years ago, I found myself relaunching as a real estate salesperson, production person, out of, getting out of management. And I had to really think about where I'm going to be for the next five years. I was 60 at the time, and I wanted to have a five-year plan to exit, be able to exit the business uh, and just be a full-time investor. And so I sat down and wrote out a plan. I, I consulted certain resources, and I literally spent a week with a, a pad, I used to keep it behind me, writing out ideas and brainstorming them, putting them into a Google document, organizing it, and I wrote it one time, I wrote a plan. But what I do is every quarter, I update the plan formally, and all year long, as I get ideas, I add them into my plan. The rule I have is, I don't change my business plan in between quarters. Meaning, if I'm committed to something like expire listings or for sale by owners or probate real estate, I'm going to give it 90 days. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for 90 days. I might test it first. We'll get to that. That's called R&D. 
But I'm going to do something. I'm planning to do it for 90 days. I'm going to monitor the results and see and give it time to grow and invest in it. But the planning process is, is a process, not activity. We all get interesting webinars and ideas. And then they go, they'll say, we have to buy it right now. We well, don't have to buy it right now. You can put it into your plan. And then what's a quarter review and maybe add that somewhere down the line. But you can only do that if you understand that business planning is a process and really a constant process, not activity. And business planning is a tool for constant improvement. You're never going to write the perfect plan. The plan is for you to always get better and always get more productive and always get more profitable. And so that's the tool you're going to use to improve your business. So you're going to evaluate things. You're going to, have, you're going to store new ideas, maybe to evaluate them, maybe to research them, maybe to test them. But you're constantly looking to improve things in any business. And think about it. It's only real estate where people do the same thing over and over again their whole career. Every other business you go to is constantly remodeling, adding new products, testing new products, fast food places. They add tacos, they add hamburgers, cheeseburgers, all kinds of different variations on things looking for something that customers will appreciate better and bring more value to their customers. And so it's a tool for constant improvement. One of the lines that just drives me crazy is companies say, well, don't worry about business planning now, run for the finish line, which is, the, which is another way of saying, if you're lost in the middle of the jungle, don't stop and figure out where you are, just keep running. And the reason why companies do this, I used to work for brokers that did this, and it drove me crazy. Because most people are kind of lost in their business and not clear where they're going. Well, if you're not clear where you're going, just moving could either be the right direction, wrong direction, or up or down when you should be, oops, up or down when you should be left or right. And, and what you don't want to do is just mindlessly continue if you're not doing well, if you're not making the progress you want to make. So you want to evaluate your results at certain times, certain metrics I review every week. And then formally, every quarter, you should evaluate where you are. You don't want to go six months. Here's the other thing. The, the sheet got changed here. Sorry about that. Let me go back. Where's the finish line? The finish line is a recipe for burnout. So what happens is this is what coaches tell you to do when they know that you'll write your plan in January, never look at it all year until the next year you have an event. It's a disaster. You want to make sure you're constantly aware of where you're supposed to be headed. And you can't wait a year to track that. You've got to be tracking it daily or weekly, and then certainly quarterly at a significant level, and to make the corrections that not, might need to be made to be on your plan. So let me give you a few key points regarding where you are in your career. This is Robert Kiyosaki's, the founder of Rich Dad, Rich Dad Poor Dad. He calls this cash flow quadrant. All people in business are in one of these four categories. Either you're an employee, you have a job, you're self-employed, you own a job. Your business owner, you own a system that works for you. Or you're an investor where your money or the asset works for you. So let's go through these four. Employee, you have a job. That's obvious, right? You walk in McDonald's, they hire you, you flip burgers, they pay you $15 or $20 an hour. What's not clear, though, is most real estate agents really treat their business like their employee. They really look at the company as what the company's giving me a commission, or oh, the company's giving me an office, or oh, the companies are paying for my advertising. Those are just frills and, and perks of an employee with an employee's mentality. Because know that if they're giving you something, they're getting it somewhere else, and they're investing it as a business owner into you as their employee. So this is where most real estate agents get trapped and tripped up. 
They look at their business like they're an employee, not really as though they are a business. The second level is you're self-employed, but you own a job. And this is where success, most successful agents are stuck. Because you know, I've been in this business in 1986, and I'm still at a stage today where if I stopped working today, I wouldn't make much money, but I would make a good amount. I'd make enough to live on, not as well as I'd like to live yet. I want to get to where I could stop and make enough to live on how I want to, uh, but not quite there yet. That's the end of my five-year plan. I'm about two years away from that. But self-employed means you own your job. You are an attorney, you are an accountant, or you're a real estate broker. You own the business, you look at it like a business, but you have to work in it every day. And the day you stop, you no longer have any income or the business falls apart. And this is where most people fall in. So again, I'm gonna to talk today about building a business, not how to be self-employed. The third level is being a business owner where you have a system that works for you. Now, typically business owners own systems, processes, procedures work for them, and they oversee the process. They meet with their management weekly, monthly, daily, depending on where they're at. But they're not in the business, they're working on top of the business. And that's where I'm gonna teach you today where you, where you can go to, because once you no longer have to work in the business and it's working on its own, generating income and assets for you, then you have the freedom to invest, or you have freedom to start another business or work at another job if you want to. That is the first step out of having to work every day towards freedom. And then the fourth level is having your money work for you. Now, most realtors at some point want to get into living off of income property, which is great. Problem is, it's very difficult to make enough income and commissions to live on and have access to invest to buy property. Very hard to do. Very, very few agents do it. I went into it with that idea, never achieved it. That business model didn't work for me. Every year, my broker and coach would say, here's what you do. You save some money, you buy a house, you buy one a year. Sounds great. Make an extra $50,000 for down payment. Sounds great. Just couldn't get it done. But if you can get to where you have excess income, then you're living on your assets. No, you're no longer involved in the job. Now, if you're fixing and flipping properties, that's a business. You're working on that. You're delegating some work, or that's really self-employed, where you're really working in your business. Really, what we talk about investors are when you're getting rent checks. It's professionally managed. Maybe you meet with your management team, again, monthly, quarterly, and evaluate things. Maybe you get a statement from an investment company once a quarter or once a month. That's an investor versus a business. So again, most agents, 90% are stuck as employees. Mentally, they approach their business, even though legally they're employees. And they don't get the benefit of being an employee of Social Security. They have to do that on their own and think they're getting paid more than they are because of that. Most 90% realtors, 90% of you in the call think you have your own business, you're really an employee in your own business and you have an employee's mindset. And then about 10% of us, 10% of you have, have yourself employed, but now you've just employed yourself. So you really are in a job. You're the employee in your business. It'd be no different if you open an ice cream stand, but you're the only guy dishing out the ice cream. Well, you're, yes, you own an ice cream business, but you're also the ice cream vendor, the ice cream guy, or the hamburger flipper. We're talking today about getting a business where you own a system that works for you. Is that clear? So that's a deep concept. There's a great book, The Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Phenomenal book, cannot recommend it enough. Anybody have questions on that book before we get any further? Anybody have any questions at all? No? 
You find that? Is it, Ricky? Does that does that make sense? Joanne, you finding this? I read the book years ago. Okay. So you got you have the concept. Do you see how it applies to your business? Well, I have, you know, I, I see how it applies to my life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So good. Um, so Ricky uh, or anybody else, Jack, you must have a call when uh, ch chime in. Are you following me on this? Does this make sense? Yep, this, going, makes, this makes sense. Am I, going to me. Too, am I going too quick? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I'm a big uh, rich dad, poor dad guy. So this is all making sense to me. I think that if more agents looked at themselves like business people and less like, you know, realtors for whatever, some other team, I think they would do a lot better. We are great. absolutely, we're entrepreneurs, you know, we got to look at it like we're entrepreneurs. Okay, great. Well, yeah, Bill, yeah. Bill, I fall under, under another category because I'm, I'm retired twice. So I'm already, you know, collecting a retirement. So my real estate business is going to be more or less the filler the the in other words add more income to what i'm already getting sure and, and, and congratulations on retiring twice even more so but what i'd say is you can approach your job as a real estate agent as an employee and you might just say hey i'm just happy to be here i make some extra money it's good enough for me that's, that's your business great but if you want to make more money, I would suggest you need to look at it from a business owner's point of view rather than as an employee's point of view in order to get the results that you want. Exactly. That's all I'm suggesting. Might as well spend your time, especially if you worked hard to have these golden years and, and to be able to have that financial freedom. The last thing we do is go get a job from somebody else who's not going to respect your time or your effort. And I just see too much of that. At least that's my experience. Yeah. Before you move on, a quick question on that. How many uh, agents do you think fit in the uh, the B category? Very few. I will say what inspired me was I was at ESPCon, the uh, ESP Realty uh, International Conference this past few days. How many people I saw who were Bs and Is and the enormous the enormity of their businesses, just gigantic businesses. But those gigantic businesses had detailed processes, procedures, and systems that they were running. And that they could just step back and let the puppet master pull the strings and everything kind of ran for them. Very few. I would say 1% are in the business owner point, probably 9% are self-employed, I would say 9% approach the business like they're like it's a job. And that's the half, the half of the uh, real estate agents who don't close a deal a year, they're for sure looking at it like an employee. Mm -hmm. And I'd say of the rest, still, um, you know, 80% still look at it like it's a job because I hear all the time, well, I'm, I, I can't change companies because my company's giving me an office. They're not giving you anything. It's your money. They're not giving, they're taking your money and, and re-channeling it to offer you less than so they can make a profit. That's an employee's perspective rather than a business person's perspective. So I would say 1% get to be a business owner. Now Bill? I will say, let's go ahead. Bill, question. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, uh, this is Scott. Um, I understand getting to the I investor see a passive income, but as a, a business owner and the system, and I and I may have missed part of it because I'm I was driving. Um, did you explain or did you dive into designing or building a system that you can implement within a business plan, but a system that will kind of run on its own more? Well, I'm going to get those concepts. I'm kind of teeing that up right now. I'm, I'm trying okay. to explain the, the. I'm trying to give you perspective so I explain what business planning is. Business planning is not looking for a job. Business planning is not 
learning how to you know, have your own franchise and flip hamburgers, uh, but you be the hamburger flipper with your franchise. It's about a business. And so that's why I'm doing this is to okay. explain the concept and how the pieces fit in. So I'm, I'm jumping the gun with my question. No, it's okay. It tells me I need to kind of give you better perspective. So I appreciate the feedback. Thanks. Okay. Thank um, okay, good. Any other questions on this? Are we following along in this? This is really the whole purpose of this conversation is, uh, who has asked the question? Jamal? Uh, Jamai? Jamal. I can't tell the last letter is I or no. Uh, Jamal, who asked a question about what percentage are in the B? Uh, I was blown away by the bees I saw. I mean, young guys too, 35, 40 year old guys making millions of dollars with huge teams doing hundreds, thousands of transactions and running it like a business. Just crazy. So when you see it's possible, I would say, well, great, how can I do it? What do I need to do to accomplish that? So I'm going to share with you kind of what my process is and what I'm going to be doing on that and then offer you to participate with you guys if you're interested. Okay, so my approach is you want to build a business that then generates enough profits, access profits, so you can invest. And that's what I've done. You know, I, in the last three years, I started from scratch. I was at zero. I was, I was standing still at the starting line starting a real estate business. Now I had experience and knowledge and certain assets, uh, but I didn't have excess money to invest in my business. I didn't buy uh, leads. Um, I didn't have money to pay my bills, but um, I built a business, and as a result, now I have excess cash, a lot of excess cash, that I'm buying some property and I'm looking to reinvest in my business, and that way I can build long-term passive income, and I've already started creating some passive income, which is fantastic. I just can't tell you how nice it is. I get checked today, it's not enough to live on in my current lifestyle. But if I had to bat down the hatches and, and whatever, I could live on it. Like, it's good money. And, and that was just in three years. I'm sure it will grow and I could do a lot more. My plans to do a lot more over the next you know, three, three years or so. So that's my approach, is to build a business to become an investor. And the other thing I'd say in real estate is you have a unique opportunity. Because oftentimes I, I hear people tell me, why would be an investor? But they kind of are working at about one quarter speed. And the problem is, Real investors look at, that's their business. And then as an investor, they opportunistically find a deal and invest in it. Meaning they're gonna buy property, fix a flip, buy property, fix a flip, buy property, fix a flip. Oh, wow, I could buy that one whole day. I'm gonna invest in that one. And so I've done that a couple of times. I do about two a year and I make good money at it. So if, I, I, if you look at the MLS, you'll see I did like 42 sites in the last 12 months. So I'm doing a lot of deals, but once in a while I see a deal that's so good, I go, whoa, 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 how can I make more money on this? This is an investment opportunity for me. And so what I would say is if you run the business properly, or the purpose in my case of the business is to find the opportunities to invest in. That's the approach. So how do you do that? Number one is plan for long term, but update it regularly. Biggest mistake, I'm just curious if you guys are willing to be honest with me. Uh, I, won't, I won't even say your names. Uh, uh, if you did a business plan the last year, two or three, and never looked at it again within a year of writing it, put yes in the chat box or raise your hand and say aye. Who's done that? Let's be honest. And, uh, and, yeah. I, of those of you who did business plans, which I would, I would guess less than a quarter of you, less than 10% probably. 
And others who do, then 90% never look at it again for a year or more, right? But a business plan should be a living, breathing document. You should be, you should plan for your long term, but you should update it regularly. What's regularly mean? So to me, it means this. Every year, I do a full business plan review. I do it in December. It's easier for me to think, I, I'm not Christian, I'm Jewish. I take a lot of religious holidays off. I don't take off Christmas. Uh, so for me, that's a great day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Great days to do business planning. So that's when I usually do it. Um, I do it every year in December. But every quarter, at the end of the quarter, I spend about two, three hours reviewing my plan and updating it. I also have a document, a Google document, where I've outlined my entire business, the things I'm doing, the things I'd like to do if I had more time and more money that I would do someday. Things I would think about, should I do this, should I do that, or in my plan. And so once a quarter, I go back and review them, and some I add in, some I delete out, some I realize I tried them along the way and don't really want to pursue it for whatever reason. But it's never in my head, it's always written down. It's never lost, it's always in the document. So I'm always adding new ideas to a document, as well as, but I'm not implementing them uh, unless they at my quarter break. I had a great opportunity that came up for me uh, to invest in. It just turned out that it was the end of September is when I update my plan and allocate my marketing dollars and invest in something that's been really good for me. Uh, Ram, I see your hand up. How are you doing? Uh, this is the excellent point, uh, what you said, Bill. Mm -hmm. Plan for long term, comma, update regularly. Yeah. Uh, I'm very proud. First part is very good. Second update regularly. I'm very well, happy for it. So I'm not able to control. That's why I spoke. Very good. Well, thank you. I think that's great. And again, I think the way that I do that is I um, write it. It's in a Google Doc. I print it out when I review it. I use a, a I used to have a, a you know, butcher pad where I write out ideas. And I also have a whiteboard to write ideas out on stuff. But then it goes into a Google Doc. And, and you know, when I do the full plan, I print it out and review it in detail. And I'll go to the panel, cross things out, and add things I want to add. And that'd be the document. So I planned the long term. I planned out, for me, I planned out five years. I did a five-year plan about seven years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, eight years ago. I'll share you a quick story. Eight years ago, I uh, had no debt, had, but I had lost everything through the mortgage uh, meltdown in 2008. I had a, my wife and I had one child, but we wanted her to go to private school. Uh, we knew that uh, she wanted to go for a gap year after high school for college for a year in Israel. The college she wanted to go to was a private school, expensive, and she wanted to get married. And, and in our world, in, in the, we're, we're Jewish, we're religious, it's a big deal. And, and so I add all that up, and that you can do that a lot of ways. But for me, it's about $250,000 of after-tax money I had to come up with somehow over a five-year period. And so I wrote a plan out for five years to do that. And I had a goal in mind that I wanted to be at my daughter's wedding. And I wanted, I imagined being in the classic wedding where the father of the bride walks the bride and hands it to the groom. I wanted to visualize that moment knowing that I was debt-free. I had still put money into my retirement, had no debt at all, and had paid for all of that. The school was paid for, no loans, two loans. And in truth, we got student loans, we paid them down, we arbitraged the money. But anyhow, uh, no student loans, no debt, massive wedding, ridiculous wedding, paid off. And I accomplished that. I have the picture on my, on my desktop I look at every day. 
So that was that plan. And then now the plan is me being on a cruise ship with grandkids, being able to pay for me, my wife, my daughter and her husband and the grandkids on a fancy cruise ship, right? What does that cost? That's a lot of money. Be able to take the time off also takes a lot of money. So for me, I write a five-year plan. So right now I'm finishing up year three of that five-year plan. And I'm right on target, right on target on my income, right on target on the assets. My plan for it, every year I fully update it, and every quarter I review it, and I'm constantly adding things into it. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, a couple, a couple of you, uh, Jackie did one, great. And then uh, Scott dropped it one three years ago, haven't gone back to it. Scott, that's totally top, typical. That's everybody. As a coach, I think I feel like companies let their let employees down, let their staff down, coaching companies let their clients down because that's really the source of everything is your business plan. That's where you want to go. You know, there's a famous line in uh, Alice in Wonderland where Alice uh, pops into wherever it is in the underworld and she sees Cheshire Cat and she says, You know, which way should I go? And the cat says, Well, where do you want to go? And Alice says, I don't really know. And Cheshire Cat says, Well, if you don't know where you want to go, it doesn't matter which way you go. And that's kind of true in business too. If you're not clear where you want to go, it doesn't matter. You might as well sleep in. You might as well not make those phone calls. But when you say to yourself, my daughter's not going to get married or my grandkids aren't going to have that experience and it's important to me. Those are important to me. I'm not saying those are too important to you. Those are important to me. That's not going to happen if I don't put my effort in today. I can't control every day for the five years, but I can control right now today. And so that's why we plan long-term, but we update it regularly. Number three. A business is a series of processes, uh, probably to me, something that's looking at still in there, and procedures. A business is not you working hard. You working hard as an employee in your business. The business is your system. So in my probate business, I have a number of systems. I've taught previously on this call, on my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP, I have a class 11 ways to sell real estate. I also have 11 ways to buy probate real estate. I'm sorry, there's 11 ways to sell probate real estate, 11 ways to buy probate real estate, coincidence. And I have uh, 11 businesses, uh, so 11 ways you can make money in probate, not even related to real estate. And of those 33 ways, I've probably done about, well, I've done them all once at least, but I probably regularly do about you know, seven or eight of them. As a listing agent, I don't prospect um, estates directly. I go through attorneys. That's my personal preference. So I do use social media to get to the estates. Um, I also work court confirmation sales regularly. I also work with investors to get to the estates and to the properties. Um, I have a number of other ways that I make money in my plan. And so what I was saying is, but I've, each one of us has a system and a procedure. In some cases, I do the work. In some cases, my virtual system does the work. In some cases, a partner of my team does the work or a virtual or another agent does the work and we split the deal or an investor colleague of mine does the work and we work together on it. They're businesses with procedures and oftentimes delegated activities. So a business is a series of procedures and systems. It's not you on the phone three hours a day. That's you as an employee doing what your employer told you to do, which is your employer might be you telling you to make three hours of phone calls a day. But what's the procedure? What's the system in place? And I hear all the time people who start off in probate real estate uh, on coaching calls, you know, should I, when I call, should I say this? When I call, should I say that? To me, that's reflective of somebody who's not making the activity, not making the phone calls. Because if you call people enough, you'll figure all that out. That's an employee looking to be told what to do, not a business person. A business person would say, 
I don't know how to do this. I'll make the calls, figure it out, and then I can delegate to somebody else or I can do that work regularly. An employee is like, well, show me how to do this. Well, give me a script. We'll role play with me. Well, hold me accountable. That's the employee's approach. A business person would be divide the procedures and do the work. So a business is a series of procedures and processes. And this is really where you build a business. This is what business planning is about. What are you going to do over the next year? What's realistic? What did you do last year? What worked? What didn't work? What do you want to add to your business this coming year? And so you have to get clear on where this fits in. Probate real estate can be as insignificant if you're just a wholesaler or an agent where occasionally a deal comes up and maybe you've learned things on my calls. I hope you do and figure it out on your own. Great. And let me know and congratulate. We congratulate you. Or you might be in the hunt. You find a deal. You don't think you can handle it on your own. You want somebody to help you with it. We work together. Great. Love to help you with that. Either one's fine, but it's a process of procedure that you have to clear. Do you want to lead, generate, and probate regularly? Or you just want to learn how to handle the occasional deal when it comes up? And neither one's fine. But you have to decide what's best for your business, not my business. Questions on that? Yeah, I'm curious, Bill, and thank you. Um, mm -hmm. what, what is your favorite lead source uh, when it comes to probate for you know cold calling or outreach other than you know some of the networking things you can do? My favorite is, so, okay, so let me premise this by saying that my favorite is my favorite. It fits my persona, it fits my character, it fits my style, what I enjoy to do. So I love going to court, putting on a suit and tie, acting like an attorney, interfacing with a judge. I love that. Most people don't. So I love, when I find a good deal for uh, probate that needs court confirmation, I love going to court and buying the property there. And then my investor you know, fixes it, flips it, and I get a list of property in the back end. That's my favorite to do. Now, I did a lot more of that two years ago and more of that last year and less of that in the last six months for a variety of reasons. One is I have been successful at certain things. Others, I've been distracted by doing a lot more business than I've done before. But that's my favorite one, if you ask that question. So, so in that case, you go there, and is it a cold situation where you walk in you, and you have no data about it, or you're going to the court and you're armed with a lead that you're going to find? Can you give a little context of what that actually looks like? So of the 11 ways to uh, sell real estate and probate, number four is court confirmation sales. So I do a whole hour on that. So I, I don't really go into it in detail today. It's on my YouTube channel, or if you can't find it, text or email me, and I'll send you the link to it. But Thanks. to summarize it, I researched the court cases of properties, and you can see in the MLS of properties that need court confirmation. And I found that it's a complicated process, but many times can an investor can buy a property if they go through the process properly and get a three to five percent discount on the value of the property compared to what they otherwise would pay. Not to the ARV, but you know, if an investor would buy a property today for five hundred thousand, that they would put in sixty thousand and sell for. Uh, 630, that $500,000 property, I think you can buy in probate court sometimes at 45, 480, maybe 475. And that's real savings to the investor. So that's, but it's complicated, it takes work. And I didn't say it's easiest, I just said that's the one I find most fun because I get to go to court, my investor loves it, there's a lot of drama to it, um, and, uh, uh, and I'm good at it. So that's my favorite. Thank you. Yeah. If you ask me what I think generally other people should do, I would say it depends on you and your business. You need to, the, 
the first thing you need to do is do your plan and assess where your strengths and weaknesses are. And then you can look at the 11 ways I suggest and pick the one that fits into your business the best. Most agents, now you're an exception given the volume you told me you're doing already. Most agents don't have their basic, um, what I call the kind of fundamental platform built, which is your database of everybody you've met. In, in Keller Williams terms, we call it the METS. Most businesses call that COI or SOI. You have to have a database of all those people. You have to have a system to contact them regularly. So when you meet people, you're putting them into that. And then you can add new lead generation systems, but it has to integrate into that method. You gotta start with that. And then, so for most realtors, I recommend, if that's all you're doing right now is working with your sphere, the first thing you should try maybe is learn about how to avoid probate through living trusts and market to your database why they should have living trusts if they don't. Well, you would know. You could look at public records, see how they took title, and just ask them. Uh, I'm curious about the property you name, not in the name of a living trust or in a trust. Have you considered a trust? And if you can offer solutions to help them, you're bringing them value. And those who have trusts, I would call my clients and say, I'm curious. I see you got it. Were you satisfied with the attorney that gave it to you? I'll share with you literally, what's today, Thursday, literally on Tuesday, Get a phone call from a great past client of mine. The guy owns property in Orange County, two in LA County, one in Hawaii, he's buying one in Arkansas that I'm referring out. He calls me up and has a couple of questions. And one of the questions is kind of referring to a good trust attorney. Why? Because his trust attorney is retiring, which is common. They tend to be a little older, is a general rule. And they retire and don't handle anymore. And yet the client needs assistance. And so what a great opportunity to refer to a great uh, estate planning, really the best estate planning attorney, in my opinion, in Los Angeles, or for high-end stuff like his. You know, I, I, I tell you guys to do this. I do it myself. I market to my database the importance of living trust to avoid probate. I think that's the number one tool. If I was a realtor, that's the one I'd start on. It's not complicated because you don't have to know how to do it. You just need to have somebody in your database to refer to. And by the way, if you have clients, some of them have living trusts. Their attorneys are waiting for you to refer the business. So that's most of the realtors call me when I get started. That's where I point them to as a place to get started. Great, thank you. Sure. Okay. So businesses. So again, one of the processes would be to add the Living Trust Marketing Program to your COI database. You have to have a COI database marketing and add in once a quarter, once twice a quarter. How do you do that? Do you email? Do you video? Do you social media? What do you do to promote? How do you find attorneys in your database? How do you find attorneys for your clients in your database? All those are processes that you would go through and implement into your business. I would call R&D versus lead generation. Too many agents try this, try this, try that. But there's a difference between trying and what I call research and development. Research and development is playing with something and seeing if it's going to work or not or, or yield anything. Um, but you have to lead generate every day. You have to do something to generate business, some activity on a daily basis. Every business needs to be doing certain things every day to generate new business. And so you can try something, but you can't put your whole business in the hands of some new program because you went to some seminar and they sold you on a dialer and database and scripts and, and don't worry, just keep doing it for 90 days and you don't get any results. That's not a plan, that's just a hope. Nothing wrong with trying some different things and testing them and seeing how they work and investigating and researching other people. And then if it passes a certain test, add that into your lead generation program. But you can't, at least in my way of looking at things, you can't take your business and put it into, I hope this works out, mode. 
that's not a business. That's a charity. That's a, that's a job. You're going to work at it until you get fired. So I test a lot of things, a lot of things that people you know, propose in the course of a year. And I spend a couple hundred bucks here and there. I look at my, in my mind, $200 is an R&D project. I'll, I'll subscribe to something for two months and try it out or I'll do something. And, and I count how many leads I get from that. Look at the actual activity. That's R&D versus lead generation. Number four, in a business plan, you're looking for leverage opportunities. You're looking for what I would say one plus one equals three or four or five. What do I mean by that? If you effectively market, let's say to, a, to a, an estate in the probate, a family that's inherited property, and you also market to the attorney of that estate at the same time, well, one, you get one point for the uh, estate, you get one point for the attorney, but if either one of them likes you and calls the other, right, they're more likely to say yes, meaning you might market estates and the homeowner goes, gosh, you're the greatest bill. I'm going to list with you. And they call the attorney. The attorney goes, oh, no, I don't know who this guy is. Use my guy. And now you lost your, your, you didn't convert the lead. And same thing on the other side. You might talk to an attorney. And you might say, yeah, it sounds great. And they call their client. The client says, no, we have our own agent. But if working both, that's less likely to happen. So you're looking for those leverage opportunities where you can do something. You also look for leverage where you can work with somebody who can bring you a bunch of business. So an attorney, obviously, who does probate regularly is a leverage opportunity. Attorneys who do living trust is a very high leverage opportunity. So you're looking for people and places and products that you can leverage things, and you want your business plan to work towards that. Um, okay. So that's before. Questions on that? And we'll go fast. This is a topic I'm very passionate about, and so I tend to talk too much and not really um, slow down. Um, but questions, are you guys following this? Rama, does this make sense? Yeah, okay. It makes sense. Okay, thank you. It's really making sense and excellent. Okay, good, thank you. Okay, so that's, so what I want to say, that's really the wrap up. Those are the key points. Now, that's some high level stuff. What I want to tell you is that, that you need to take these concepts schedule time and make a plan. Here's the thing that I find real estate agents also fall down on. Agents will say to me, well, I'll think about it. I'll review it and never do that. Thinking about it and not putting time in your calendar to do it is just more stress, more disruption to your mindset. You really need to schedule time. And, and this also is what drove me crazy with my old broker. Because he would say, oh, don't divert time during December, uh, you should run to the finish line. Well, I'm not talking about spending all day for a week writing your business plan. I'm saying just a couple hours. You have a couple hours from now and, and the end of November and the end of December to put a plan together. And you have a couple hours to review last year's plan and re-up it for this year and make some, make some changes. And I find that once I start doing that for an hour or two, my mind kind of gets into that. And I can come back to it an hour later next week and finish it up. It's not that much work. To go to a business plan event, spend all day, and end up with a document you're never going to look at all year is nonsense. It's never going to work. So I urge you guys to put some time in your calendar in December to create your business plan on these concepts, to really think about your business, to plan for the long term, to put, to put in a, a system so that you're reminded of a quarter. I use a, a task manager program called Todoist. And so in my calendar is reminders every quarter to update my business plan. 
uh, to store your documents somewhere where it's updatable. I use Google Documents because it's free and it's easy. But put in your calendar now, sometime in December, to launch that process. And put a place somewhere for you to put down your notes, your ideas. Everything comes to your head on this topic, just write it down and save it. I use Google Docs for notes all the time related to a project I'm working on. And that way, when you sit down, if you write right now, December 15th, whatever day that is, you have a bunch of notes. You can put all your notes there so you won't forget what you thought about that was such a good idea. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to do a business planning event for my team. Um, I'll, I'll offer it to people on our team. I'm not going to offer it for free. I'll offer it for a modest price to cover the costs, and then we'll take that money and donate to charity. Because I, I really don't want to work with people on this if you're not serious about doing it. I'm not doing it to sell it. I'm not doing it to sell your coaching. I really want to work with committed people if you're interested. So stay tuned. We're going to launch that um, in um, uh, mid uh, December 1st. We're going to start, we're going to launch it, that marking for it. It'll probably be mid December. Um, so you have a couple weeks' notice. If you want to participate, I'd love to have you. And we'll do it live, we'll do it on Zoom. And I'll walk you through my process, what I do exactly. We'll do it together. We'll do my December planning as a group if you're interested. So again, I'm not looking to solicit you for that. It's not a money-making venture. It's just kind of thing where I love to work with people who are, who are highly motivated and to make their five-year plan the best five years of their life and the next year the best of their life. And I'll just share with you this. I've been in business since 1986, the last three years where I've had my most detailed plan in my career. I've been the best in my career by far, best in my life by far. Never had more fun, never had more success, never had more clarity on helping people. I never had more impact on people I have in the last three years. And I'm really excited about what I see going forward because my plan's in place already for the next two years. I'd love to share that gift with you if I can. Okay, I've got a question. Feel free to jump in questions in the chat box or raise your hand. I got a question from Julie. What's the best way to work with an attorney and stand out in front of them to choose you? So, uh, Julie, uh, and remind me, Julie, are you an agent or an investor? What do you do? I think I have you as an agent. I think I have you as a subcommittee's agent, right? Is that the same, Julie? Are you still with us? So I answer the question, it doesn't really matter. Um, what's the best way for an attorney? So here's what I would say. You always want to play to your strengths in marketing, in business. You know, in, in football, if you follow sports at all, there are teams that focus on, you know, one strategy, running the ball versus passing the ball. If you're running the ball team, you didn't have much bigger players. And so your bigger players push on theirs and that, that plays to your strength. And if you're, uh, passing team tend to have smaller, faster players, and then you challenge the team to keep up with you and your speed. In business, you want to try to, to force the business where you have the competitive advantage. So if you ask me how to work best with attorneys, I would say, well, um, the best way to work with attorneys is to work with attorneys to develop your skill. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense, Bill. How do I start? Start with attorneys, A, that are clients of yours, and your past in your COI, in your past client database, your prospect database, whatever you want to call it. Start with those attorneys that you've met yourself. Number two, I would then go to attorneys referred by my clients, as I call my Saturday influence every 90 days. I would say, I'm just curious, do you have an attorney that you work with on real estate issues or family uh, uh, planning issues or trust uh, and wealth issues? 
Uh, and also, you might ask your accountants for attorneys they work with as well. And now you're talking to attorneys, if they're your prospects or your clients, who already know, like, and trust you. Well, those are easier to work with. And then second, if you're working with people referred by your clients, that's easier. You're calling and saying, I was talking to my, our mutual client, Joe Smith. He says, you're a great attorney. I'm a real estate agent. I'm doing probate business regularly. I'd love to have an attorney to, to uh, um, refer um, living trust business to or, or estate planning business. Is that something that you do and be interested in more business? Uh, in fact, the question, I actually teach that whole class on my YouTube uh, channel, but the right terminology is, are you still writing uh, estate planning documents? Because that tells them that you know the business a little bit. So to answer your question, I would say, I would start with those you already know, you talk as many as you can. I would call your, your CY members for attorneys, and then I would call uh, those who have living trusts to see if you be introduced to who their living trust attorney is, not asking them for referrals, asking them if you can help promote their business. If you do that, you'll get business back. Um, and I do a whole class on how to market to attorneys, but that's kind of a short version of it. Does that answer your question or help a little bit, Julie? Sounds like, okay, good. Okay, any other questions? And again, I know this is kind of a dry topic. It's not exciting, this is, but these are the important fundamentals, I think, that make somebody successful, is having a plan and executing it. You know, one of the things in, uh, uh, in, in sports, to try to train you so that you can act on autopilot and something happens. You know, you do something over and over again, so many times in baseball, you hit the ball over and over and over again. So when you have to play, the ball comes in, you're just reacting and swinging. You don't think about it. Your body just does what it knows it's supposed to do. And if you think about it, in any success you've had in real estate, it's been the same thing. Certain things you've done over and over again, you're really good at. And you're going to find whether it's talking to attorneys or any marketing, something you do over and over and over again, you're going to get what good at, where you're out of your head and you're just doing the activity that makes sense to get the results you want. Business planning, the goal of this is to be so clear on where your direct, what, what your direction is. So clear that you don't think about it anymore. You put all your energy into activities that are going to drive you in that direction. I know for me, my goal is to talk to as many people as I can that want to talk to me about probate real estate. Every day, I talk to as many as I can who want to talk to me. So how do you define that? People on Zoom calls like this, people who set appointments with me, as many as I can get to set those appointments, I'm glad to talk to because they want to talk to me about probate real estate. And I know if you want to talk to me about real estate, somehow, if I talk to enough people, I'll make a lot of money. I don't really worry about it now. I know my plan, it all works out. And so your goal has to be to get to where you're clearing where you're headed, so clear that it's just automatic pilot. You're just doing what you're supposed to do, and those numbers work out for you. Okay, I don't see any other questions. I'll see the hands up. Is that it for today? No, hi, Bill. This is Sharon. I just want to say this is a, actually a great topic. Because when you don't have a plan, it's like you keep starting over from the beginning every day or, or throughout the day without knowing which way to go. So this is a really good topic. And I'm glad I was, I'm here tuned in to hear this today because I do need to work on a business plan. Mm -hmm. We all do. And, and, and I would, thank you. Thank you for the kind of words. You know, in being in business without a plan is like walking in a desert without a map. You have no idea where you're headed. Now, of course, in the desert, you can find where the sun is and walk to the west or the east. Or if it's dark out, you look at the stars. I'm just imagining you don't know where you are. Then why would you walk in any direction? You need to figure out, number one, where are you? And number two, where do you want to go? 
And that's why a good plan also takes assessment of your assets, your, your strengths, you know, and weaknesses. I mean, for me, when I did my plan uh, three years ago, you know, I was 60 years old. I, I don't have the physical energy to doormat like I used to. Um, I have a lot of energy on the phone and video and certain things I do, and I can control my schedule to, to make it work for me better than I used to. But I have other strengths. I have a deep Rolodex. I've been in business a long time. I have, I believe, a good reputation. I haven't been sued. I haven't cheated anybody. Um, I'm, so I can be more available on social media where a lot of people are scared to put themselves out there. They're worried somebody's going to, I don't have any old girlfriends that I upset. I don't have anybody claim to be my child. I don't have anybody owe money to. I don't have any past employers I did a bad job for. I don't have to be ashamed of any of that. Uh, those are assets. Not everybody has those assets. I appreciate that. So you have to work with what, what works for you. And as I said at the beginning, it's about bringing the game to your strengths, bringing the game to what works best for you, not for what somebody tells you your plan should look like. You need to do an assessment. Um, okay, got a question. Um, I did actually have a couple more questions. Here's a lease question probate data. I get leads from downtown court by PR, some attorney, you know, I just uh, bounce back any suggestions. So Jenny, this question really is the standard, the data I bought is a perfect question, which is true. So there's a saying, a famous saying uh, regarding military. Um, uh, I think it was by Colin Powell, who said that you don't go to a war with the military you want, you go to war with the military you have. And so I'd say in business, you know, again, under the same concept, you have a plan, you buy the data, you work out for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, you might investigate, are there better data sources? And one way you do that is compare results with other people in the same county. It's very difficult to do because you have to buy samples of data. But what I did was I was using all the, uh, all the leads, which is more expensive. I was using, but I was using them for the marketing coaching. I was using probate daily. I was using probate data and I used retrain. I ran them all down and ran the numbers and compared and found the ones that I found best that worked for me. So you can get, someone will give you like a seven day trial, probate money is another one. You can get a seven day trial and try them out and see what works um, for you in your particular county. Um, Jimmy, what county are you in? Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, We're in the Valley, but you know, I work not only in the Valley, but also in uh, LA County, you know, in, in the city. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, the, the, uh, the emails are the emails taken from the probate filings. Right, so you fill out the form when they file probate. There's a the, the initial form petition to probate um, has on it the attorney information. Now sometimes there's typos, um, and the data source will typo con to com or Yahoo of Yahoo. Uh, there's typos, so when they bounce back, you look at it and update your data, and now you know the right email. Some don't have emails; they put down their attorney, but they're really the petitioner. They don't have an email, and you have to research those. Okay. Yeah. So the, the answer is the data is what the data is, and that's what you, that's what you get to work with. There's no real shortcut, but if you can find if you can finally talk to people and get their email, and other people have it, that's an obvious advantage to you. I think the mistake we make is you might call that proper. There is no email. You get the email, but they don't list with you, you know, because they say I'm going to keep the property, and you never talk to them again. Versus putting them into your foundation system, whatever you want to call it. Where you keep in contact with them forever via email as one channel, um, but that's a challenge, and there's no way around the fact that data isn't perfect, um, and it, all you can do is all you can do. And like I like what you said, also, Bill, 
bringing something to them kind of mm -hmm. opens up the arena for the mm -hmm. possibility for future business. So yeah. you're, you're right on point on that. That's our relationships. Our relationships require somebody to bring something to the table and get started. Think about dating in the classic dating sense. I don't know if it's true as much today. I haven't dated for 36 years, though. I have a daughter who dated and got married. Generally speaking, when you start a dating relationship, somebody's doing something to start the valuation, i.e. taking somebody out to dinner, taking somebody out to a, a, you know entertainment of some sort. They're putting some time and money, investing in relationship before they get anything out of it, right? And so think about that as a format for relationships, that you want to put something into it before you expect anything out of it. And if you do, that's the foundation for a relationship when you just ask for referrals. And I'm sure if you just called attorneys all day and asked for referrals, you'd get some. That's a transactional business. And that's going to require you to cold call constantly your whole career if you can't learn how to convert it into relationships. Okay, Fred Jackson. Um, I don't think we've met. Have you, Fred? Uh, no, we have not. Okay. And so you're asking about a template for business plan. I have you as a real estate agent also, right? You're, yeah. uh, and you're here in, L in the LA area? I am. Oh, great. Okay. Um, what area of LA? Um, I, I live mid-city, but uh, so. Nice. nice. I used to work mid-city. I work out of office mid-cities, um, but uh, Central 21 on uh, Pico. So um, Fred asked a question, do you have a recommended template for business plan? Uh, with topics of just headings to help guide one through the profit of the business. So I do. Um, but I think I think here's here's what I would say. And, and we're going to do a business planning event. I'm going to invite people to join in on it. And like I said, I'm, there's going to be a cost to offset the cost of the event, but I'm going to donate all the money. So I'm not doing it to make money out of it. Uh, I'm going to do it to donate the money to uh, probably the Boys Club is one of my favorite charities. But, 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 but I'll give you an idea now if we get started, which is, Think about where you want to be five years from now. Get the most important thing you can do is get laser focused on that. Because if you are, I mean, I wanted so badly to have the experience of taking my daughter down the aisle and, and doing it from a place of complete release. I did the right thing. I, 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 I'm not leaving her with student loans. I'm not, you know, I'm not saddled with debt. I'm going to be a burden on her. It was important to me have that moment where I just said, hey, I paid for everything I'm done and just enjoy that moment. Now, that was for me. I'm not saying that should be your goal, but gosh, that drove me every day. When people say to me, Bill, I'm taking out of bed in the morning, I jumped out of bed because I wanted to accomplish that goal. It, it, it burned in me red hot. If you read the classic book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about you have to have your desire like a red hot flame. And so I would say that, that for this, for this time now, the best thing, the first step, Fred, is get clear on what a, what's a red hot flame for you. Where would you want to be five years from now? That you'd be willing to work at consistently day after day for the next five years to achieve. What would that be? If you're clear on that, then the steps before that will be easier and will be more clear to you. If you're not clear on that, it's just all drudgery. So you got it. The first step for everybody here: get clear on. I know for me, it's sitting on the deck on the deck of a Caribbean cruise. Uh, I like the water. I probably would be in the pool. But grandkids running around, and I paid for it all. That's that's my goal. And did it pay for it all as as at my expense money, my fund money, not my digging my savings money. Right. That's my vision. 
doesn't have to be yours. You may not even like that. That's not the point. That drives me to get out of bed, to jump out of bed, do what I need to do every day. That's why I'm on my calls when I need to be, and I'm on time. Because it's important to me. It's that important to me. So Fred, I'd say to you, start with that. Come back next week. Share that vision. Let's get red hot. And for all of you, I would urge you to spend the time right now uh, getting really clear and thinking about it. You don't have to spend all day on it, but think about it. And then try to create, like I can close my eyes and imagine that scene I described to you for me. I used to do the same thing about, imagine my daughter walking down the aisle, and I have a picture of that moment in reality on my computer. That's how clear it was to me that it showed up in reality five years later. But you want to get that red hot. And I did, it didn't happen because I visualized it. It happened because I visualized it, and I was willing to pay the price to make it happen every day. It's not the secret. It is not the secret. But what secret is get clear where you want to go. Then you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get there and get crystal clear where you want to go. Then you'll run over any obstacle to get to where you want to go. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, that was very helpful. Thank you. Again, this is a long process. This is not something you can resolve this month, but you got to work on the rest of your career. And I'll give you some tips and tools to get a business process so you have a plan uh, in December. And I'll share some of those tips ahead of time. But, but what I'd say to you is you need to have that vision first to make the whole thing work. Can't coach motivation. Okay. I think that's all the questions in the chat box. I don't see any on our social media, and I don't see any hands up. So unless, anybody else have any last questions before we sign off? Oh, and it's, it's time, too. Now let's go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I really appreciate your help today, Scott and uh, Fred, with some great questions. And um, I, I need people out here. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, Bill, I have noted down whatever Scott, you taught us. Rama. Oh, very good. Thank you, Rama. Thank you so much. Thank you all of you. Julie, thank you for your questions. You get participation. My vision of this call is we're working together. My vision is we're all helping each other. And yeah, I'm sharing some of the discussion, but you all are helping us. You're all helping us stay on track and stay on purpose. So we do this every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can sign up at Eventbrite uh, at probateweekly.com, probateweekly.com. We stream it live, and then we also send out via YouTube. Our YouTube channel is Bill Gross EXP. So if you go to youtube.com slash Bill Gross EXP, you'll see all my YouTube channel there and the probate weekly episodes are there every week. So thank you all for being there. I'm Bill Gross and uh, make this a great week for you. If I can help anyone, give me a call. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bill.